Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. While we are resting, there are two kinds of labor that we must be concerned about. The first one is the one I'm going to speak about this morning, and the other one we will address some other time in the future. But certainly, as we enter God's rest, we will only do so because we labor to get into it. That almost sounds like an oxymoron. It sounds like a contradiction. How do you rest when you're laboring? A friend of mine who has an aircraft was sharing with us, oh, sometime last month, maybe a couple of months ago, it's on the flight from LA to Australia. And one hour into the flight, over the Pacific Ocean, engine number one went out. In his private jet. So he looks out of the window and said, wait a minute. And then he looks at his son, who was also on the flight with him, said, did I hear what I just heard? And the son, in bewilderment, said, I believe we just did. And so as they were talking about what just happened, they could see in the cockpit, and the pilots had all their manuals out and flipping through the pages, trying to get through the checklist of what you do when engine number one goes out. Mind you, everything below you at 40,000 feet is blue, deep blue ocean he said before he entered into rest, there will be some kind of prayer and anxiety that would have gripped him. He said, however, having entered into this position of rest, knowing that his future is already finished, he prayed yet, but a different kind of prayer. And I'm saying that this morning to help us understand how finished this finished work is. We've been shouting this, we've been speaking about this, we've been preaching about this, we've been teaching about this, and there is no greater joy for me when I find out that you guys are getting it. And I will know you are getting it. Because it will show. There is no way you get into rest that it does not show. Absolutely. When you get to that place where you are readily casting all your cares upon him. Why? Because you know he cares. For many of us, it's still a mental ascent. We know it in our head that he cares. Mm, but you just know, don't, you're just not sure if he cares for you. So this morning, I want to take us to a picture. One of the most beautiful pictures you will ever see of God's grace in the scriptures. There are many of them. Well, not many of them. There are, there are quite a few of them that's like this, but this one is so incredible. And so please turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9. As we labor to enter into his rest. And I will address that specifically at some point in this message. Laboring to enter into his rest. Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left 
of the house of Saul. That I may show him kindness. Oh, my, 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 my. Another translation says covenant faithfulness. For Jonathan's sake. And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your servants, at your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. There's only one problem. He's lame in his feet. The king said to, to, said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Micah, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Micah, the son of Emil, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do you not fear? For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall walk the land for him and shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But may Shibothet, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Oh my God. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Oh, my. Is anybody here this morning? Yes. Do you know how many servants Ziba has? 15 and 20 servants. How many of those 15 plus 20? How many are those? 35 people charged to working for Mephibosheth. I wonder how many angels are who are the heirs of salvation have been dispatched in your account? Let me not get ahead of myself. Verse 11. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mesiboses, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. <laughs> let me just, let me, verse 13. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem for he ate continually at the king's table and he was lame in both of his feet. 
In order to make this message simple, I've broken into four parts this morning. Number one, I'm going to talk to you about Mephibosheth's condition. His condition. Ah. Mephibosheth, as we just rightly read, was a son of Jonathan who was a son of Saul. Do you all follow me so far? This boy came out of a disgraced family. It was his grandfather Saul that had been rejected by God, put aside, and replaced by David. Mephibosheth was of a doomed family. Because the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, that the house of David was getting stronger and stronger. And the house of Saul was what? Getting weaker and weaker. So doom was knocking at the door of Mephibosheth's life. Not only was it a disgraced family, a doomed family, it was also a destitute family. The pastor, what do you mean? How do you get that? It's very simple. The boy's name means shame. That's what the word Mephibosheth means. But not only that, as if that is not bad enough, when David inquired about him, you know where he was? He was in a place called Lodibar, which means nothingness. So this boy, who was a shamed boy, was living in nothingness in a house of Micah, which means being sold. This is the picture of a man or a woman without God, sold into disgrace, sold into sin, sold into shame, sold into destitution. He had inherited poverty and death from his family. That was the only thing he could look forward to. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Give it to me on the overhead. To see how this picture of this young man can easily be any of us's resume before Christ. Ephesians 2.12. Ephesians, thank you. Look at what it says. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is Mephibosheth's resume. He had absolutely no hope. Don't forget, this young boy that should have been a prince found himself in a hiding. Why? Because of the fall. In 2 Samuel chapter 4, if you ever read it, when the news came to the palace that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle, those who lived in those days understood the consequences for the descendants of a king that has been killed or assassinated. They knew immediately that all the other lineage, 
all the other descendants of that family, immediately it was a death sentence. This boy was only five years old at that time. And his nanny, out of good concern and care for him, grabbed him so they can escape. And as they were running, he fell and broke his two feet and became crippled in both of his legs. Therefore, crippled him. Just as the fall of Adam crippled all humanity for time and eternity unless God does something about it. So this innocent boy, like you and I were innocent, we did not know what was going on. He had nothing to do about the policies of Saul. He had nothing to say about how his father ran with Saul and not with David. Nothing at all, but became the victim of somebody else's decision. There are many of you who have been victimized by circumstances, situations, people, and places that you had no control over. And like the Gentiles of old, we were aliens to the commonwealth of Israel and were still without hope in this world except for God. This is the condition of Mephibosheth. But please let's go move on now in the second point I want to talk about and that is Mephibosheth's call. Going back to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Oh, my, 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 my. This is so beautiful. In verse 1 again, now David said, is there still anyone who is left in the house of Saul? Why, David? Why do you want to know? That I might show him kindness or covenant faithfulness for Jonathan's sake. This is the same thing that God has done for you and I. David now has become king in Israel. His kingdom has been established. And it's amazing to me that he didn't just sit in the palace and join the palace and join the perks of authority. The Bible said, he said, is there anyone left in the house of Saul? Why? Because a few chapters earlier in 1 Samuel chapter 20, David had entered into a covenant with Jonathan Israel where he promised Jonathan that I will not just be your friend looking out just for you when you are alive, but even in your death, I will take care of anything that has your name on it. So here we see David living out his commitment. Asking the question. There are four things I want us to see here. Number one, David sought out Mephibosheth. He sat him out. Is there anyone left of the house of Jonathan or Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Number two, not only did he seek him out in the same way as Jesus has sought you and I out. The Bible says in Luke 19 verse 10 that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So David here is following after his father Jesus' example. He's now waiting for Mephibosheth to come to him. No, God doesn't do that. 
He never waited for you to come, for me to come to him. If he had waited, I still would be lost. Glory to God. But God, in his due time, sent out, sent out an emissary, sent his servants to come and fetch us. That's exactly what happened. So David here called his servants. Is there anyone? He sought him out. He sought him out. But that was not enough. So that's number one, he sought him out. Number two, having sought him out, like we know in Luke 19.10, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Having sought him out, what's the next thing David did? He sent someone for him. It was not good enough to just seek him out. But having sought him out and having located where he was, he did the next step. He sent someone to go and fetch him. Hallelujah. And then the next step was, after having been sent for, the Bible said, in verse 8, I believe it is, he spoke to him. And then, what does he do? Let's just read. Let's go back to the text, please. He sought him out. He sent for him. And in verse 6, he spoke to him. Let's read that. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Because you see, Mephibosheth understood what was at stake. Two things can happen here. You are coming for a king and you belong to the predecessor, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul. Every step he took to walk to David, you know what was said? Death sentence. Death sentence. It was a dead man walking. Just like you and I. Before Christ. Yes. The wages of sin was death. There was a death sentence hanging on each one of our heads. We, if Jesus had not rescued us, we were dead men and women walking. No question about it. Mephibosheth understood that. So immediately he came before David. He prostrated himself. He said, okay now, let the judgment fall. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Was that what David did? Was that what David did? In verse 6, then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, here is your servant. Verse 7, instead of judgment, he gave him mercy. So David said to him, do you not fear? For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. You see, you see, you see, you see, where Mephibosheth deserved judgment, like you and I, David showed him mercy. He extended to him grace. He said, yes, I know, I know you are thinking death, 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 but with me, there is only one thing I'm thinking, life, love, life, love. Not only am I sparing your life, but I'm going to restore you. I didn't come to just merely save you and put you back where you used to be. You need to understand what grace is all about. 
grace is not just picking you up and leaving you where you are. Yes, I know you are lame, but I'm about to do something with you that when the world sees you, they will not recognize you. You see, your identity was lost, but I'm coming to restore to you your divine identity if you can receive it and believe it. Amen. Oh, hallelujah! He sought for him, sent for him, spoke to him, and then he spared him. Now, don't take this lightly. Many of us have biological parents that don't speak to us. We have friends that don't speak to us. We have children that don't speak to us. So the mere fact that David spoke to this boy who was condemned, you have no idea what it means. I cannot tell you the gravity of hearing from God. How you can be going one direction and God speaks a word to you that turns you around and saves your life. So when you hear the fact that David spoke to him, you just, you just look at it lightly. You have no clue what it means. But thank God for a God that has ears that can hear. He has eyes and he can see. He has a mouth and he talks with it. I want to thank my God because in my time of need we said call unto me and I will answer you which means he speaks and show you great and mighty things of which you know not. I don't serve a dead God. I serve a God that's alive as well and I know it's well because he speaks. Oh what is this about this grace? That a deformed man can come before a king and the king did not disqualify him because of his deformity. Rather than disqualify him, he embraces him. Oh, glory be to God. I don't know about your God. I don't know what you are hearing. But I'm telling you there's a God in heaven that is after your care. He loves you with an uncompromising, unfailing, unlimited love. Oh, hallelujah. Mercy Boseph, who had been hiding from David, even though David was not hiding with him. Mercy Boseph, who was an enemy of David's household, even though David was not his enemy. Oh my God. Me and you as unbelievers, Wakanal. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, everything that's kind is enmity against God. But that's not God's position. Glory to God. For when I was yet a sinner, Christ died for the ungodly. God has commended his love and his grace towards me. When I hated him, he loved me. And that love now is an everlasting love. It's a loving kindness that keeps on drawing me to him. When I seek to stray away, his love becomes that that restrains me. Glory to God. Oh, the love of God is unspeakable. Hallelujah. That's what David was showing to this young man, Mephibosheth. But please, don't let, let it be lost to you and I. The reason for David showing his kindness and the reason for God loving us the way he does is not on our account. 
please, I don't want you to miss that. David kept on telling Mephibosheth, I am doing what I'm doing, not because of you, but because of my covenant to someone other than you. So why does God love bank so much? Why is bank that who God loves so much? Why am I the beloved of God? It's not because bank I came out like I'm preach. It's not because I'm married. It's not because I drive a car. It's not because I give and an offering. No, 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 no. God loves me because when He sees me, He's seen His Son. He's seen Jesus. He's seen His Son Jesus. He's seen His Son Jesus who paid the price in full for all my wickedness and my sinfulness. He sent me son through me and you. He loves us not because of us, but in spite of us, because of his son. Jesus, the son of God. That's the reason he can overlook our silliness. That's the reason because of his son. Because of his son. Let's move forward in this story. So we've seen Mephibosheth's condition. We've seen his call. And please don't miss the fact that the call was totally David's initiative. Totally David's initiative. Just as my call and your call. God in heaven looking down. Bang. How long? How long would you keep on living like this? In spite of all I've prepared for you, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, he's never had entered the heart of men, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But I love you too much to live this kind of lifestyle. How long? And he sent someone after me. He sent someone after me. On and on and on in pursuit, never giving up. That's what God did for us. He never gave up. And even now, as a born-again believer, he's not giving up. Hallelujah. He's going to send a witness, send a friend, a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife, a child, whoever he needs to send to get the message across when he could not talk to his prophet, he's sending us. That's the kind of love that's pursuing you and you and me. That's the kind of love that God has for us. So David brings Mephibosheth. Now, look at this. <laughs> In verse 8, same passage. Pass, verse 8. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as that? This guy's image of himself. Did you see that? He did not call himself a dog. He called himself a dead one. He called himself a dead one. In essence, what he was saying is, I know when I came here, I'm, I'm a dead man. I'm dead. But in an instant, you reversed the fortune of such a one who was deemed to be dead. 
even as a dog, all of a sudden, just by your appearance, by your presence, by your spoken word, you've changed my ID. Jesus came to seek and to save that. No who? No who? No, 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 no. No who? No who was lost, but that which was lost. What was that that was lost? Our identity. Our identity. Our identity. They will say from this day forward, you will not have to go back home to Lodibar. Gone are the days when you have to return to Lodibar. Oh, you don't understand. You guys are, why, did you dance too long last night? You guys not following what I'm saying to you. Do you know what Lodiba means? A place of nothingness. You came out of your village, nothingness. You came to America, nothingness. You are walking at work, nothingness. Jesus said, by his grace, you will never have to return to a condition, a position, a place of nothingness. From this day forward, as his grace clothes you, you are not going back to where you came from. Because when any man be found in Christ Jesus, it's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, Mephibosheth, you are not going back to Lodibar. From this day forward, you sit with me in the palace. Oh my God. I am telling you, this is a picture of grace like you've never seen before. Did the Bible not tell us that you and I are now seated together with him? Where? In the heavenly places. You see, if you don't see yourself there, you will never be able to function there. If you don't see yourself where he said you are, you will not be able to wield the authority that you already possess. You are not going back to Lodibar. You are sitting here with me. Not only that, the servants of Ziba, they will farm your land, bring the harvest. You don't have to toil again in your life. I'm telling you guys, God, you guys not getting it. You don't understand what I'm saying. This is about grace. It's not about how much you work. It's not how much you labor. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You can walk all you want and eat like an ant. But you can walk like God wants you to walk and eat like a big man or woman. The difference is God. Did Mephibosheth ask God for this? No. Why keep on asking God for things he has already provided? It's because you don't understand grace. Mephibosheth did not have to open his mouth. He just be. As in B-E, be. We don't understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall do? No. It shall be. The Holy Ghost is to make you be, not make you do. The being comes before the doing. That's the problem. We're trying to do to be. But he's saying when you be, you do the right things. Mephibosheth didn't bring a laundry list. Does everybody understand this boy that's in poverty, that's doomed to die, in desert? Do we think he has needs? Yes. 
David had enough sense to know that. He said, not only am I giving you servants to walk the field and restore back to you everything you've lost. And that's a word for someone here today. Everything that the caterpillar has taken from you. The palmer one. Everything that you've lost. I prophesy and decree to you on this Labor Day weekend. That God, Jehovah, will bring restoration to you. Gold for the things of gold. Silver for the things of silver. Bronze for the things of bronze. Not only will he bring it back, it will multiply seven times. In the name of Jesus, we declare it, we decree it, even as David did it for Mephibosheth, and it became so, we do it now. For as many as embracing and receiving it, in the name of Jesus, you will no longer live in lack. Shortage will be a bad word in your life. In the name of Jesus, I release the surplusness of God over your life. Everything your hand touch, it shall prosper. The grace of God upon you now. In the name of Jesus, receive it. In Jesus' name. Not only did he restore him, he said you will eat at my table. Not as a bastard. No. Not as one that I knew from afar off. As one of the king's sons. Any ID? Greg, you will not sneak into the dining room. You will not hide by the door. You understand your ID is not complete. When it's time to eat, you march with swagger. Why? I'm a child's king. I belong at the table. My name is on the table. My father has invited me. I have a place at the sitting. Hallelujah. And the meal will be complete. Whether it's nine course meal, 12 course meal, 15 course meal, whatever you desire, being on a king's table, supplied. And then David qualified it. Not just one day, ma'am. Not just twice, I buddy. Continually. As long as you wish. Oh my God. I don't know about you guys. Glory be to God. Oh. Continually. That's what Jesus has obtained for you and I. Notice something. Before I get away from this. When you sit at the king's table eating. Now, I don't mean to say this in a denigrating way. This is not Golden Corral. We are talking about the king's table. I can imagine in my mind's eyes the table being draped properly. Serious linen tablecloth. So when Mephibosheth, who may have leaned because he was still crippled, gets at the table and sits down in his position. Can you see his feet? You may have come deformed, but the grace of God will cover your deformity. Glory. You may have come in limping, but by the time you sit at this table, 
all the insufficiency, the deformity, the disability, and all of those things around you is covered. Who covered it? He did. I want you to know you are covered. Your weaknesses covered. Your faults covered. Your deformities covered. Your sins covered. Oh my God. I don't know about you. Your lack covered. Everything you need covered. Why? You are the king's table. Say I'm covered. Say I'm covered. From head to toe. From head to toe. I'm covered. My spouse is covered. My children are covered. My loved ones are covered. In the morning. In the afternoon. In the midnight hour. Covered. I don't know about you. Lucky. I don't know about you. I am covered. I'm wearing my coffin. Oh, hallelujah. I am covered. Who burned the devil? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Who made the devil? The reason the devil makes noise is because you don't know who you are. Once you find your ID, and just show your ID. Brother, I'm covered. He's got it covered. I'm covered. I'm not worried about a thing. Listen, I'm telling you guys, I've been telling you guys, for, you, think, you guys think I'm joking. This is not, I'm not joking. I'm, I'm telling you, I am not in the least bit worried about a thing. I am anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, I've made my request unto my God. And the peace of God, the passes understanding, is keeping my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you today, but I, 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 I want you to know that God's love is more than sufficient. <laughs> I'm covered by grace. I'm covered by grace. I'm no longer going back under the law. Never, never, ever, never, ever, never, never. Glory to God. Cover the man's feet. He looks at him. He does not see deformity. So why should you be seeing it? Why should you be seeing yourself like that? Things that God is not bringing back up, you bring them up. Putting yourself back under the law. 
By his grace, he sought you. By his grace, he sent for you. By his grace, he spoke to you. And by his grace, he spared you. And on top of that, he restored you. Gave you things you could never work for. And one last thing I'm going to show you and then we're going to close it out. And my prayer, my prayer is if God will just raise five, six, ten people who will understand this grace message. Not just talk about it, but understand it. You will see the difference. You will see the difference. Lastly, we saw the condition of him. We saw the call of him. We saw the um, we saw the condition. We saw the call. We saw the communion with him. And lastly, let me show you the covenant. Most of the people that have problems with this message, they are always complaining. If you preach grace too much, people will sin. Uh, they won't serve God well. They you give him license or liberty and occasion to sin. Let's go to Second Samuel chapter 19. Oh, glory to God. I'm so covered, I don't know what to say. If you wake me up at two, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'll tell you I'm covered. If you wake me up at 6 a.m., I'm covered. It doesn't matter where I go. I am covered. If I'm in Iraq, I'm covered. If I'm in Islamabad, Islamabad, I'm covered. Because the one that covers me has power over all. <laughs> I heard that said, if there's Ebola, she's covered. <laughs> Look at Second Samuel chapter 19. Let me give you the context for this. David had to run and leave Jerusalem because of Absalom's revolution or rebellion. And most of the loyal people in the palace went with David. Except Mephibosheth. So when David saw Ziba, he asked Ziba, ah, where's your master? Where's Mephibosheth? I see everybody here that's with me, that lost me, they're all here, but where's Mephibosheth? Ziba said, ah, Mephibosheth, he's done against you. He's enjoying the fruits in the palace. Why are you, David, is in your wilderness? David didn't say anything. So now they returned back to the palace when David had conquered and quelled that rebellion. And he returned to the palace. Let's pick up from verse 24 in 2 Samuel 19. And I want to use this to answer the question of those who are so concerned about those who would sin because of grace. Now, Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. And he had not cared for his feet nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace. Now, if you understand anything about Bible language, 
He's not treated his feet. He's not trimmed his mustache. He has not even changed his clothes from the day David left until he returned. He just made a statement. But let's read on. Let's read on. So it was, verse 25, when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said to him, why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? Now, David got the message in verse 24. He's just looking for a confirmation. Verse 26, and he answered, my lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go to the king because your servant is lame. In other words, what he's saying is, Ziba told him, let me go get the horse ready and I'll come pick you up so we can go meet the king. He never returned. Verse 27. And he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes. Listen, I, I, I don't have vernacular to explain this verse. No, seriously. Neither in my original language or in English. But if you get this, if you get what he just said, if you ever get what Mephibosheth just said to David, you understand grace and you know how to get things from God. I could not go with you because my servant deceived me. One. But number two, now that I've seen you, uh, you are like an angel to me. However, whatsoever you please to do with me, just do it. Wow. If you ever, Greg, wow. listen to me, look at my eyes. If you ever understand that part where you resign yourself to the goodness of God and say, God, I'm in a tight spot. I don't know what to do. Everything is against me. I know you love me. I receive your love. I embrace your love. However, in this situation, you know best. God asked Ezekiel, can the dead bones live? God, thou knowest. <laughs> this is not just a lip service statement. Please hear me. Hear me. This is not when in your heart you get to the point where you say, God, I know you love me so much. It doesn't matter what happens in the now. I, I am convinced of your love for me. I'm not going to let you use today or tomorrow to judge that love. Therefore, whatever needs to be, let it be as long as I'm in your hands. Let me try one more shot. David was under judgment. God said, David, punishment is coming. ABC, he's an ABC question. Do you want to fall in the hands of men? Or you want to fall in my hands? Or you just want me to send for me? What do you, which one do you want? David as a responsible human being in the spirit will not cast his lot with men. Men are fickle. They are here today, gone tomorrow. They shout your praise tomorrow, tear you down tomorrow. In the same mouth, they'll say, ah, pastor, you're a great man of God. They say, that's useless man. The same people before you can turn back, look at that. Look, look at this bald head. This useless man. So David said, I will not dare allow man to judge me. 
God assists in your hand. Because even at best, or rather in the worst case scenario, your chastisement is with pleasure. Hey! Hallelujah! That's what the man was saying to, to David. Let me finish reading it. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes. Can you imagine you, say, you tell that to God? Can you imagine you tell God, God, do whatever is good in your eyes in this matter? The worst of God is still best than the best of man. I mean, how much safer? God, you know best. Do what's best in this situation. I'm with you, God. I'm a key player. I'm with you. Just do what's best. Now, verse 28. For all my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Now he's testifying. He's recounting. See, oh my God. If you're going to know how grace works, you need to learn how to be able to recount God's goodness. That's the key to activating the grace of God in your life. Go back to what you know. Go back to what God has done. Recount it back to your, not for God's sake, for your sake. For all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet, you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I still to cry out anymore to the king? So the king said to him, why do you speak any more of your matters? <laughs> oh, God, oh, help us understand the conversation going on in heaven. You know what God is saying? Things are forgotten already. Why are you bringing them up? Why are you still bring up your past? I've dealt with it. It's a done deal. I'm not, I'm not even thinking about that any longer. You are still packed here. I've already thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness. Are you hearing me? We're almost done here. Look at what David said. So king said to him, why do you speak anymore of your matters? I have said, you and Ziba divide the land. Now, hear covenant now from Mephibosheth. Verse 30. Then Mephibosheth said to the king, rather, let him take it all. In as much as my lord the king has come back in peace, to his own house. I am not in this for what I can get. Let it be known in heaven and on earth and at work fan and for whoever else is listening that this grace thing is not about how much I can amass or what I can get for myself. No. This is a lovesick moment. I am so in love with this one who has loved me in spite of myself and therefore I cannot help myself. If I don't have a shirt, if I don't have a pair of shoes to wear, if I don't have a house to live in, if I don't have a car, if I don't have nothing, just give me Jesus. This is a matter of Jesus 
plus nothing. You are not hearing me. That's what the man is saying. Let my servant, this candle, let him take all the goods. As long as I can behold you, as long as I still have you, as long as I can still dwell in your house, that's what grace is all about. It's not about liberty to go and sin. It's not about liberty to go and fornicate adultery. No. It's about a love relationship. Because of his love towards us, now we have no option but to reciprocate, to respond to the love we've received. We can give it back to him. That's what it's about. The fringe benefit are the things you get. But you are not getting them so you can keep the relationship, but you are getting them because of the relationship. Picture of grace from the Old Testament. The man said, listen, it's not about the goods. I mean, David teased him, said, you and, you and Ziba divide the goods. He said, how, Master David, what I've enjoyed with you, my time of communion, being able to see you, talk to you, have access to you, how much is that worth? How many zillion dollars are you going to give me not to be able to hear the voice of God? Not to be able to see his presence. Not to be able to touch him, sense him, feel him. How much money is that worth? Not enough. He said, you can have, you can have it all. Give it all to Ziba. I don't care. He's a smart man. He's a wise man. Because you see, Daniel, whatever the king is, he can always recreate. We, if God is there, in his presence, there's what? Fullness of joy. And at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. So if I lose them all today, but I still have him, come see me next week. Come and see me a month from now. You see how much further I would have gone. Because it's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. That's what grace does. You see, Mephibosheth had learned that what he gained with David is a lot more than what he lost in Saul. Hallelujah. And what you and I have gained in Christ now is a lot more than what we lost in Adam. I am not going back to Adam. I'm sorry. Adam could not give me eternal life. He could not give me peace. He could not give me an inheritance. And definitely, he could not give me access to God. And on top of that, all of the provisions that God has already made available to us. So now, as we close, is God calling you? But I adventure there's someone here who's not born again, not saved. You've been living in Lodibar. God is seeking you to save you. Are you going to respond? Are you going to respond? Is there anybody here today? Say, I need to come out of Lodiba. I need to leave the place of nothingness. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. How many of you said to me today, you've received grace from God? Let me just see your hands. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. This is my challenge to all of us. That same grace that you received, go find someone and give it to them. That's your challenge for today. That's how you keep grace growing. You just don't receive it and keep it to yourself. Find someone who's in their Lodabar. Who's damaged goods, as we call them. Destitute. Doomed. And extend to them the same grace that God has given you. Reach out to them. Love them. Be God's hand and mouth to touch them. That's the practical application for what we just heard. Why are you doing that? Are you doing that to please God? No, no, no. You're not doing that to please God. God's already pleased. You are doing that because of your identity. You are not doing that to get an identity, but you're doing that because of your identity. Find someone. Pick up the phone. Send a text. Meet with them. Let them know how much God loves them in spite of where they find themselves. Are you hearing me? So, Father God, we just thank you for your grace to obey you, to honor you in all that we do. Thank you, Father, for the rest of the weekend. Bless your people, Lord God. Let this grace message continually sink into our head. Help us to understand, God, it's not our business about people that wants to live a lifestyle that does not honor you. You deal with that. But our focus is to receive what you've given us, to embrace what you've given us, and to help us to walk it out through the power of your Holy Spirit living in us. And all the other questions we may have, you will answer them in due season. And so, Father, we thank you and we honor you now. In Jesus' name. Bless you. Wow.